Hello everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Period Piece. My name's Laura. I'm Julie. She said it so aggressively. Uh, the the podcast where we talk about a pop culture period piece, we chit chat about it. If you want to watch with us, um, go on our Instagram. It shows what we were watching when, uh, and then there are spoilers ahead. So yeah, it took us like five times to record it because we kept having issues. So if you're like, why does Laura sound so weird? That's why. Um, before we get into all of it, we having issues. It was me. I was trying to be a good partner thank you for sharing thank you we got there team we did we did we got there together um by me just going Julie turn it down turn it down um so Julie yeah do you remember the format never okay well I'm gonna ask you for recommendations okay um fantastic (laughs) Um, I, I went to the library yesterday and it Mm -hmm. just, oh, I love the library. Um, but I, I did pick up a few books and a book that I picked up is one that I've been wanting to read. Um, it's called Highway of Tears Mm -hmm. and it is focused on, um, the missing and murdered indigenous peoples of the United States. Um, the, the Gabby Petito, have I said that correctly? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that case has highlighted a, a lot of a lot of things, um, but one of the things that it, it is highlighting inadvertently or unintentionally is how there are so, so, so many um, people that are missing and that have been murdered where you don't see the case get the same publicity or press. Um, mm-hmm. You don't see it get the same in- attention as a young blonde girl did mm-hmm. um also those policemen sucked mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my recommendation is uh completely different but um from the trident network who is our you know the network that we're part of i started listening to a podcast disney adult <gasps> and highly recommend it it's um by this wonderful Chicago comedian and he brings on other Chicago comedians to talk about Disney movies but like they roast them where they need to be roasted and um the very first like sentence that he gave made me chuckle so hard because he was like when I say Disney adult I mean adult I still do drugs I still eat ass and I still listen to go to distance while I need some motivation on a treadmill and I was like this this is a great podcast oh my god I'm there yeah absolutely there highly recommend it wonderful chicago comedians giving you exactly what you need not over idolizing disney perfect mix of you know sugar and spice so (laughs) highly recommend uh speaking of sugar and i can't segue to this what are we talking about today we we are talking about oh my gosh i i can't believe i get to no, I just, I can't believe I get to do the introduction. You do. Um, on a movie that two weeks in a row, I thought this was the day we got to talk about it. I was so excited. We are talking about The Mummy. The motherfucking mummy. Ooh, <laughs> here. I was, I was so happy, but also pissed when you chose The Mummy. Because I was like, damn it, Julie, why didn't you think of that? 
Okay, you have Titanic, I have The Mummy. Like, I mean, we both love both, right? Mm-hmm. But I truly, there is a bin, a, like, Rubbermaid bin in my basement full of mummy merchandise that I bought when this movie came out. I have a Rick O'Connell action figure. I have the books from the book fair. I have the comic books. Like, I went all in on this movie. Mm. I started, I went to an archaeology camp. An archaeology summer camp because <laughs> oh, of this movie. Um, Laura. Yes. As you know, I have a shelf of all of my Titanic memorabilia at yeah. my house. Mm-hmm. So if you were a true mummy fan, all of that merch would be on display. That would okay. be my challenge to you. Yes, it would be. I need a fucking shelf because I moved. <laughs> I moved into my house and there's like one area that I do want to put a shelf in my living room I just need someone to help me do it in a ladder so I bought a ladder it's a slow working process you're almost there I'm almost there then I have to buy the shelf then I have to give myself another weekend to put up the shelf so I'm getting I feel like the ladder was the hard part so you've made it over the hump especially when you have a car to buy a ladder and then get it back to your because you have to organize like a tall enough ladder Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you have to organize someone to like help you pick it up or clean out your car enough for the latter, it just it was a lot. Um, <laughs> it would be one one shelf would be the Mummy, and the other shelf would be Anastasia, because mm. those were the two movies that I merchandised hard on. And then, as a thirty four year old, I still cannot get rid of any of that merch. Like I can get rid of a lot of stuff. I am pretty minimalist. Anastasia and the Mummy, with me forever. So guess what nice. I'll be talking about eventually. <laughs> I was gonna say this isn't necessarily a merch thing because I can't I honestly can't think of like really much merch other than like if you saw it in theaters you got the newspaper but Mm -hmm. I think Newsies is probably like my my other equivalent movie so I will find a way to justify watching that um but when I was younger I would like record just the audio of movies onto like a cassette tape and then on car trips I would listen to them and I have listened to the movie Newsies so many times. Julie. What? Why have we never talked about this before? I did the same thing. Stop it! With Hercules, Mulan, and Anastasia. Ah. But I would play them in my bedroom and reenact the entire movie. <gasps> but like, I had two beds in my bedroom because my my sister used to live there, et cetera, et cetera. But there were two twin beds. So like during Mulan, when she's running on the roof, I'd run like and jump in between one twin bed to the other twin bed. And oh, I, the days. I've never met anyone else who did that. And I probably have never confessed that I did that until um, this moment. It, it all ended for me because oh, no. my mother, once again, with the best of intentions, decided like she like found my like cassette or whatever she didn't look at the label or anything but she saw a cassette yeah and decided to record there's a video or not a video there's a song that's like julie 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 do you love me mm-hmm. she recorded herself <laughs> singing that to me and interrupted the middle of newsies oh. and i did not discover it until a car trip so it was like I don't know news so well. I'm sorry, don't yell at me. I saw it once on Broadway and did not like it. Um, so oh. it was like Santa Fe, Santa Fe, and then your mother just interrupting. Yeah, uh, pretty much. But I think it was like closer to the seize the day. Oh, uh, that's the one song I do remember. 
we'll talk we'll talk about it i'm yeah, sure it is yeah we'll we'll talk about that in in the newsies episode we'll do a musical uh month oh, later yes dibs on newsies done <laughs> it's yours um I've never seen the movie. I've only seen the musical. So I have very different thoughts. So when I watch the movie, maybe I'll fall in love with it. Um, yeah. So the mummy, I will say, so I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And now as an adult, and yes, I watch it every year. I watch it probably three times a year. I put it on when I'm cleaning. It is oh, yeah. what it is. You know, I just bought a shirt because I was sad this week that said uh the mummy more like the daddy with brendan fraser on it like the merch is still continuing uh, oh, <laughs> do you do you have like do you get like a movie rewatch cycle yes and all of them we will cover eventually i i've noticed that mm. what i do is whenever i rewatch the mummy mm. my next sort of like movie that i want to rewatch is national treasure like for whatever reason like those two are interconnected for me our poor friend tony the last time we were in philadelphia she's like i want to go to philadelphia i literally said like okay yeah i'll give you a tour of philly because i've been there several times and every place we went i was like and in this scene in national treasure and this scene she never told me she watched it she never told me she cared but i gave her the national treasure tour of philadelphia I want that tour. Let's meet, up. <laughs> Let's meet up in Philly for the weekend. Got it. Done. It's a little short of a trip for me than it is for you. Uh, but like the mummy. Oh, so rewatch cycle. No, I just watch. I have my top five movies and I literally watch them. Like if I start with one, mm -hmm. then I'll finish the five by the end of like a two week span, even if it's in the background. So it's the mummy. Practical Magic, Moulin Rouge, um, Down with Love, and Oh Brother Where Art Thou are probably my my ones that I the only five movies also that I've bought on Amazon, just so I always have them. I know which movie you're watching for the musical episode. Yeah, dibs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. I believe you didn't dibs on Anastasia. Well, well, well. No, Anastasia is, we'll do an animated okay. month, right. too. We've got to um, get back to the mummy because we've been yes. so excited about this and we yeah. are not talking about this. Okay, okay. So, as an adult now, this movie is one of the first movies that is an action movie written for the feminine gaze, and I will fight people on it because I really feel like it is. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you want to do you want to go into detail about that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yes, let me. Like, I mean, I, 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 I know what you mean, but you know, somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So first off, like when it comes to the Rick and Evie relationship, he always asks consent. Always, always, always. And except for the one time where he kisses her in the jail. Right. And that's like the start of it. But he always asks consent and he's always gentle with her. He is impressed by her. He appeals to her interests. Do you want examples? I'll give you some examples. So one of my favorite moments in the movie that is so 
highly like kind of underrated is they're all um, on camels at night going to Hamanaptra and she is asleep and he she's like starting to move back and forth and he gently takes his hand and just pushes her up that's it that's all the moment is and then it cuts to the um jail owner also being asleep and her brother just like hits him really hard with a um with like a riding crop or whatever and he wakes up and i feel like that is the difference ladies and gentlemen between divine masculinity and toxic masculinity and it is there in that one moment that one scene because I also think that Rick O'Connell like the after he meets Evie starts to embody divine masculinity which is not really talked about as much as toxic masculinity is which I think is something we should talk about yeah Ooh. yeah that was ooh. and that's one scene I won five second scene <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm so I'm so fascinated because I was all like, oh man, I love this movie. It's so fun. Rick's such a great character. I love their chemistry. And you're just coming in with like this fantastic stuff. Oh, <laughs> I do have fantastic stuff. So I, I love that you're sharing like this really just deep observations and terminology. And I'm like, man, you got great stuff. <laughs> I, no. I feel very much like you're the Evie and I'm the Rick here. Well, you know what? But they got good chemistry. <laughs> and they I think, do. Yeah. And like, that's, I just feel like all women, not all women, but I feel like all humans, right? Want their partner to be impressed by them. Not mm -hmm. necessarily have the same interest because it's very clear that even, even though Rick is going on this journey with Evie, he does not have the same interest that she does, but he is still impressed with the amount of knowledge that she has. Um, I also feel like there was a big in the night and in the nineties, especially and Brenda Fraser always played roles that were this like divine masculinity and people are, I, I don't know if anyone is shocked by the Brendan Fraser Renaissance that is happening, but it's because uh, also I think he is a human is divine masculinity but he always played it like George of the Jungle is also through the female gaze. Blast from the past is through the female gaze. He plays these super sweet and sensitive characters that are also hyper-masculine and not toxic. So that's why women our age are like, no, he's wonderful. He's amazing. Bring him back is because not only of who he is as a human, but also the characters that he plays were so essential to what we look for in true partners. And in the 90s, especially, and you, I see this in a lot of the individuals I dated, and Julie, you did too, that a lot of the flirting was making fun of and joking mm. and teasing and tearing you down. Ha, 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 ha. And you never see that in The Mummy. You never see him kind of joke about like how silly her, her wants and her needs are. And the moment when she says like, I'm a librarian and I'm going to kiss you. And first off, she's proclaiming she's a librarian, stuff that the other men in the movie have kind of shirked at her for. And he accepts it. She says, can I kiss you? 
which is also consent, bada bing, bada boom. They do not kiss. She falls asleep. He stays away and just lets her fall asleep. Like that's another scene that's just divine masculinity of like, I I don't, I don't get, I don't get you. I'm not going to try to get you. I want you to explain yourself to me. And I'm here and I'm open for that moment. Anyway. This movie is so good. So good. So, because I'm, now I'm thinking about like a lot of like other relationships Mm. in the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think about the the like the other two sort of like love love dynamic mm-hmm. that we have because that that is also interesting to me because we have um and I'm drawing a blank on all of my character names so and not cinnamon yes and, and yeah so like that that also is like a a weirdly romantic love story because you know he's he's like promising that he'll like find her through time mm-hmm. um but i'm trying to like i'm thinking back about like their scene when they were alive and like their presence with each other mm-hmm. well and isn't that a weird thing of like toxic masculinity and toxic yeah. femininity which is also something that's not talked about of the Anaxinamun Imhotep, like we love each other and we'll love each other through time and it's physical and it's murderous and it's passionate and it's, and. Yeah, cause she's found out because like he touched her and like, and like they knew they would die for each other. And, and you look at that compared to Rick and Evie and it's just a completely different gentle relationship mm-hmm. and yeah and in the 90s that just wasn't you were seeing a lot more of a Nuxin moon imhotep as the like standard yeah I, well i mean it's just how how long and and how often has the sort of messaging been i mean if it if it's not like a journey to get there like if it's mm-hmm. not like painful mm-hmm. then the ju- is the juice worth the squeeze like i'm thinking yeah. of the girl next door where he goes through all of that and it's like well is the juice worth the squeeze and it's like the and you know evie and rick obviously were facing like a lot of like environmental outside influences but like yeah. their relationship had like a natural growth to it that wasn't yes. based on like that that push against each other Mm -hmm. yeah and I think it comes from mutual respect in one's field and yeah and mutual respect for each other I feel like is what makes a relationship grow and that's that's it you know I feel I also am so super single right now so Julie (laughs) you can actually talk more about this Uh, but I feel like that's like mutual love and respect and deep mutual respect mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is and the the yeah. like the support in the divine femininity and divine masculinity sorry i'm going to talk about i love i love gender studies anyway um 
the moment where the Americans, and we'll get to that because that's a fun thing. Uh, <laughs> when the Americans and Rick are in the, like the shoot out, like where they're, you know, and she sees the crack in the floor. She takes her hand, she puts it around him and she goes, there are other places to dig. Ugh. And he doesn't fight. He doesn't say, no, we're going to stay here. He go, he looks at her, goes, she knows more than I do about the subject. We're backing down. Like that is so fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> because that's, that's, you know, like truly with, with, I understand that in this moment, she knows more than I do. And I'm going to follow her lead. And then there's, I'm also, like I said, through the female gaze, but there's also a lot of moments where she takes, you know, his lead on a lot of things, especially when it comes to fighting, when it comes to, you know, maneuver, you know, she follows him and it's great. So the Americans, I think this is one of the first movies that Americans were kind of the bad guy. Like they were like, not the bad, bad guy that's, you know, an ancient mummy, but they were not portrayed in a good light. They were seen as buffoonish. They were seen as mm -hmm. overly arrogant. They were seen as they came through and they wrecked shit and they did it haphazardly. And as a young kid, the first time going like, oh, are we, are we like this? Are we? Oh, we it's are. Like, <laughs> it's like the Americans through a Eurocentric gaze. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that was fun to see as a child and now even more as an adult. And also more that toxic, like push, 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 push. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I just... So much is good about this movie. Like I yeah. just visually, mm -hmm. it's just so good. And like they, the the sort of like comic moments that come mostly from her brother. Yeah. Um, they they just feel like well timed. Like yeah, like these are here to like relieve the tension that has built up, or you know, like yeah. or here's here's a great opportunity for this. Like nothing is like, oh, seriously, you went, okay. Well, and I feel like he is written, like, I feel like a lot of, did you see Jungle Cruise? I did not. Okay. I really enjoy Jungle Cruise. This is not a spoiler, but um, I feel like it is a mummy, um, highly, highly influenced by the mummy. And the main character does have a brother and, you know, and highly, highly influenced. But one of the things that I thought it was kind of missing was the brother was a lot of the jokes that happened. Um, but what I like about Jonathan is that it feels like he is a character and we all know these people that deals with stress by like joking about it and releasing mm -hmm. it. And that's what happens instead of going, oh, we need a joke here. Obviously Jonathan's our buffoon, we're gonna write it. It felt like he was just that with who is who he was as a character. And they established that so well by he literally lays with a mummy to terrify his sister he's like you know it'd be really funny if this you know and that's how we meet him so of course after they almost die seven times he's going to pop off a joke here or there because death is scary to him but also kind of funny yeah <laughs> oh oh and here's how we kind of establish 
like how Evie needs the men in her life to respect her brains is that there's the moment where he's like, well, why do after she uh, loses all the bookshelves and he's like, uh, give me fly, frogs, flies, locusts, anything but you, you know, like, why would I put up with you? And then she lists her qualifications mm-hmm. and then he denounces her and he goes, I put up with you because you're your mom and dad. And that sets the scene for, she just wants to be acknowledged for her qualifications that she has worked her ass off for. That is all she wants to be acknowledged for. And no one in her life will do it. Not her brother, not the man she works for. And guess who fucking does? Rick O'Connell. Ah. Uh, so, their, their, yeah. their meeting scene mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Like, that, uh. Well, and it's great because unlike most romantic stories where they meet and sparks fly and then they have to overcome something and then they're still as amazing as they were before, they meet in not good circumstances. He does kiss her when she does not consent to it. He's about to be hanged. She has a horrible view of him. He calls her like, who's the broad? So they both demean each other and see each other kind of in the worst light and then develop that mutual respect over the course of the movie. And that's phenomenal. And you don't see that a lot. You see like Moulin Rouge, which I love and we'll talk about. It's like instant love, Mm -hmm. overcome an outside obstacle, instant love again. And this is not instant. This is like, ugh, 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 that person. But I do feel like mm -hmm. there there's that almost instant respect like yeah that that scene in the jail sort of like establishes that they are um equals yeah equal i i I wanted to say i didn't want to say foil because i didn't want it to sound like they were like going up against each other but it it's like up like a balance yeah well and it's like he I'm going to put so people are going to listen to this episode and go lower your heads up your own ass. But um, <laughs> do, respect, probably. Um, but I, I feel like they, because Rick O'Connell does this like toxic masculinity approach to getting into jail, right? He beats people up. He beats his way out. He is like fighting against the guardsmen. He's fighting, you know, and Evie comes in with reason, respect, and bargaining, and is able to get him out. And then there's that moment where he falls, and they look at each other. And I think that he, you know, <laughs> Brendan Fraser, please come on the podcast so we can talk to you. But uh, I feel like Brendan Fraser, even just as a character, or maybe the screenwriters were like, okay, and this is the moment where you go, oh, I need to respect this individual because not only did she get me out, but she got me out of a situation that I fought to get out of and couldn't. Yeah. Because she just used the same bargaining that he had all along. He knows the way to have an opera. It's not like, because at first she talks about money, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she uses the exact same thing that Rick O'Connell had all along to get him out. It's just a different approach. <laughs> I'm crying. How do we get Brendan Fraser on the show? 
I don't know. Um, but I feel like this is a good start. <laughs> Brendan, you want to talk about how you played to buy masks? You probably are too amazing of a human to be like, I didn't think about it like that. I just was attracted to these characters and be like, yes, you were. Why? Because this, because you were, you were just that good of a human. Because you look at like this compared to like how to lose a guy in 10 days, which came out, you know, pretty, you know, in the same kind of movie oh, yeah. era. And com- like completely different approaches to masculinity and femininity. And mm. it's, so, yeah, I, I feel like this is the the first time we've like talked about a movie so much in relation in like in relation to other movies out of the yeah. time but man it it's mm-hmm. it's so different mm-hmm. from any other movie during that era like i think about like this was also the era of um like tomb raider oh yeah tomb raider but like i'm also thinking of like I mean, I, I these are teen movies, but it's still like the messaging that we're just like fed, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, with like you see like the can't hardly waits and and all yeah. of that. And even what Evie was wearing, like she is fully clothed all of the movie, like except for the very end where she has a spaghetti strap, which I know my high school would not approve of, but <laughs> same. You know what I mean? But like most of the movie, she has all the way down to her wrists, all the way down to her ankles. And she is sexy, but she's not walking sex, you know? And I think that's also interesting, her compared to Anaxuna Moon, who comes out in gold, nothing, <laughs> and paint, you know? And and as a child growing up in that era, especially, you know, we're getting into the early 2000s where everything was exposed. You had to be super thin. You had to be, to see a woman who has, you know, long floofy hair, which I did, and be able to wear vintage clothes, feel fully covered, feel comfortable, be able to run. She like is able to run compared to most action movies where they put them in like really high heels, Jurassic World. Um, Even though that's a modern movie, but you know what I mean. Um, To see that as power and sexiness and also being, you know, just knowing that it, you know, you could be sexy, but also be respected in your field and also be like that. It's just a very powerful image for someone who's about to go through puberty. compared to what's it called? drive me crazy which I love me you know and 10 things I hate about you and and where there seems to be like 10 things I hate about you I love that movie I love it but it has some major issues where it's like you you were oh I'm a feminist so I'm a bitch and mm. no that's not like yeah you know people have their personalities but that was kind of what the movie messaged weirdly, especially because that was the time of like feminism starting to gain like real traction. And so I feel like that movie kind of 
push i don't know i just feel like it made it like see this is what feminism does and you don't have you have one friend and you did and yeah and i feel like if you use the mummy more of an example of what you know of what feminism is is just mutual respect um i don't know it was just a very powerful movie compared to all the other ones at its time so i love it so good and <laughs> and and oh and then the fact that like another powerful moment is when she goes nasty little boys like you always get their comeuppance and he kind of laughs it off but he also at this point in the movie benny respects her and goes wait really and she's like always so you start to see because like you start to see all the other men respect her and listen to her her brother does where he's like what a bird a stork and so she becomes the actual yes rick is fighting and like he's also doing his stuff but her brains are what is getting is what is saving them and whenever they are yelling at her to translate she goes patient patience is a virtue we got to be calm we got to be collected like mm-hmm. those moments are so powerful to a young budding mind. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. Yeah. So that's my stuff <laughs> I have to talk about. You know, and why the the second and the third movies, you could go into reasons they work and reasons they don't work. I think one of the big things is that it was never about the action or the mummies as much as it was about Rick and Evie. Yeah. And I think it becomes more about the action and the mummies and all of that. Um, just touching, touching, touching on the, the second movie briefly, mm-hmm. um, because that was sort of like, that was the rocks, like first mm-hmm. big, like motion picture debut. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so fascinating because I mean he's such a dynamic actor he's so popular now he does mm-hmm. so many different things, um, but it like you just saw that they were like they just wanted his his name and his image for that like yeah literally he didn't like, have a line I think he said no at one point well and even when like he actually appears as the scorpion king yeah like, in the true scorpion state or whatever like it wasn't even like him acting like they just yeah. like superimposed him on that yeah um and i'm 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 so curious and now he's maui in moana which is like honestly i will watch him sing that rap all the time <laughs> <laughs> i i do have to say like i i love it like you're like yeah, he's Maui in Moana because I immediately go to like, oh, he's in the Fast and the Furious. Oh, uh, <laughs> we have very different movie choices, <laughs> except for this movie. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure we have a few that over like overlap, but Luke Hobbs. Um, was that a Fast and the Furious reference? Yeah. I didn't understand. Okay, yeah, that was his character. Uh, um, got it. But oh, what was I going to say? Oh, so. I don't want to end this on a down note, but like I have, I haven't seen the new, like 
I don't want to say it's not like a reboot, but it's like still the, the Tom Cruise mummy. Yeah, because I don't friggin' like Tom Cruise, and I feel like yeah, he is the example of toxic masculinity. That's I. That was everyone because everyone knows my love of this movie, and they're like, "Oh, you're gonna see the Tom Cruise one?" I said, "No," and they're like, "Oh, because you know, because you don't like Tom Cruise." I was like, "Well, that's one reason." But the main thing was, is like, it's not about the mummy for me. Yeah, like, yes, that's cool and amazing, and I love ancient Egypt, and I love um, like the adventurer era. But it was about Rick and Evie, and it was about Evie. It was about a girl who is a nerd, just the fucking nerd, and no one respects her, and then they all fucking have to respect her, otherwise they'll die. That's what the movie's about to me. So, yeah. And I'm off to therapy. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) You you always do this great job of, like, tying the rating back to the movie and like Mm -hmm. theming it yeah and i'm like for the last like five minutes of this conversation i'm like i want to i want to i want to do it i was like i want to think of one that makes laura proud oh i can't i can't think of one and i have no doubt you have one in mind okay um i have two no i have two two. but i don't know which one i want to do so, so I'm going to tell you the ratings. We can either do a rating scale of uh, Book of the Deads or a rating oh. scale of Scarabs That Eat Your Flesh. Which rating scale Ooh. would you like to do? Scarabs That Eat Your Flesh. Okay. Out of one to 10 Scarabs That Eat Your Flesh and like you like it this time, uh, let's pretend like it's a weird fantasy. Um, so 10 is good. <laughs> uh, one to 10. What would you rate this movie? 10. 10 Scarabs. Yeah. Mine would be 875. Put me in that box. Let them feast all over me. I love this fucking movie. Okay, you literally gave me an option of one to ten. I know because I make the rules, bitch. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wow. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, for the next movie, if you when you come up with the rating scale, you set the parameters for me, and then you break them, (laughs) and I'll be okay with that. okay okay because this is silly silly fun time all right um anything fun you're doing julie um this is a a recent fun thing i did that i i want to talk about Mm -hmm. um i think i talked about this theater company before there's a new there's a new game in town oh Um, there's a new theater company in town called the renaissance theater started um on a boat like we're like in this like old old boat um and just fully atmospheric mm-hmm. um and and so then they would so much by these performers mm-hmm. um and just the work the soundscape the lighting um the set design the, the the painting of these areas like they were fully immersive gorgeous spaces and mm-hmm. it just was like oh theater it never left it's just you know people found new ways to create out of necessity and and i love seeing what's come of that now there is something yeah theater never left but there is something that we've been missing where it's like the vibrations of a bunch Mm -hmm. of people in the same space like people breathing together people gasping together laughing together 
whenever it is in an enclosed space, it feels different. It feels good for your soul. So there's a lot of stuff that was done on Zoom or outside. Or, and I did outdoor drama for a long time uh, as my like main form of theater, but being in an enclosed space and we haven't had that. So to have that and have it be spooky, it sounds really cool. <laughs> um, I just bought a bunch of books and a bunch of tea and a bunch of soup because it's getting colder. And when it starts to get real cold, I'm going to start hibernating and I'm going to love it. I'm so excited. Uh, so that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, well, listeners, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. I don't know. Thank you for yeah listening to us talk about the mummy and what we love about it. And follow us on Instagram. Uh, we are there. We're not really anywhere else right now because uh, we're, we're lazy, I guess. <laughs> Um, but we'll be we'll be other places eventually but if there's anything you want us to cover any um, we have a pretty skewed or compartmentalized uh, view of our movies and tv shows we watch because you know of our age group and where we're from and uh, the Netflix algorithm and all that fun stuff so if there's something you want us to cover that we have not even alluded to or you think we haven't heard of please let us know we would love to watch something new uh together and talk about it so let us know on instagram and uh thanks for listening bye everybody bye culture period peace podcast is a part of the trident network to learn more about our videos live shows and other podcasts please visit the trident